Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's leaving and moving and maneuvering to make more money. You take both and leave Florida State out. The quarterback is done. Do they get punished for that? When you pay Jimbo Fisher $76 million not to coach, that's a problem. It's fun to think that this team could possibly make it to the playoffs. We started off during the season talking about where we wanted to be at the end of the year. And we're right here being able to play for the swag championship is truly an honor. The Houston Oilers do not exist. They only live in our hearts and our memories. So you just own blue now? You own blue and red now? Is that how powerful the NFL is? That's them. They do that. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, and once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh, mama, there goes that man. You Ladies and gentlemen, star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you are aboard for this edition. Welcome to all you first-time listeners. We hope to become a part of your podcast menu, and we'll tell you ways that you can become a part of the community in just a little bit, but I want to welcome you aboard. Also want to welcome aboard all of those who listen to every episode, who like, share, talk about us around the water cooler, who uh, tweet, who do all of those things, retweet and share. We certainly appreciate that. Welcome aboard as well. This time out, we have a great one coming up, but first and foremost let me tell you ways that you can get involved and of course you can call the sports line 24 hours a day 832-941-6614 and leave a message you might just make it on to the next episode you can respond to something you've heard on the podcast you can make a general comment about anything and everything in the world of sports you can uh, ask a question make a request any of those things you can do on the sports line 832 832- Nine four one six six one four. In addition to that, Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. You can be a part of the group. I post poll questions. I did this last time out, and of course, they're post every single day. A great way to be a part of the community. In addition to that, you can always find me on social media on Threads and Instagram at the Devin Wade, and of course on Twitter at Wade's Word or X X Twitter. Whatever. I say Twitter. Defiantly, I say Twitter at Wade's Word. So all of those ways are ways that you can become a part of the community, and we encourage you to do that. It makes things fun. You know, you invest, you engage. It makes the experience that much more fulfilling and enjoyable. So this time out, we have a conversation with our guy from the special teams unit, former NFL wide receiver Reggie Brown, and we'll get his take on some football stuff and uh, some college football stuff. A lot going on around the swag and playoffs and all of that good stuff. We'll get his take on that. And, of course, he's a a fervent Miami Dolphins fan. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. Of course, the Texans. And, and of course, we have some headlines for you. We have the Award for the big dummy of the episode. And, of course, we'll hear from uh, some music. We got some music coming up. I won't, I won't spoil it. I'll, I'll tease it. Uh, I'll say that, yeah, you need to check that out. That's coming up at the halfway point. And uh, who knows what else? So let's get started with what is brand new. Brand new, brand new, brand new. 
So I do the brand new segment to tell you, kind of give you insight into what's going on in my life and what I'm up to. And since I'm not up to a whole lot, I use this segment for something else. But I will say, you know, you're sort of getting ready for Christmas, starting to kind of uh, pick up a gift here and there. I'm not going to any Christmas parties. I want so desperately to do that. No, I don't want to desperately because if I wanted to desperately, I would do it. But I want to want to do it and I just don't. And because of that, I'm not going to any Christmas parties. But I'm there with you in spirit. In spirit, I am there. I just won't be there. Not in the physical. Just, uh, that's just, I'll have to work through that. Not a, I mean, no, I'm, no. I mean, that plays into my antisocial behavior that I need to work on. I need to be more social. I mean, I get a lot of my socialization through talking to you guys and being on the air on uh, KTSU. Those are ways that I do that. And speaking of KTSU, I'm using this brand new segment to say happy birthday, Frankie Beverly of Maze featuring Frankie Beverly. Now, for some folks who are tuning in who are just truly sports fans and just don't tune into R&B music, I don't are not familiar with Maze, and there are several who may not be. Let me just tell you, he and the group Maze were so instrumental in me growing up and just forming my my romantic identity. <laughs> and, I, and I say that because I just happened to be listening to some Maze because a lot of people were posting, happy birthday, Frankie Beverly. So I was listening to a song, and I'm like, okay, so these song, the song that I'm listening to and all of the songs that I'm listening to, I was listening to it. 12 and 13 and 14 years old so here i am a teenager preteen, and in, in, in some of those cases i'm sure and i'm tuned in and having all of these romantic uh, confessions and declarations to some imaginary teenage girl and with these very sophisticated love themes and I, I sort of compare and contrast that to the music of today which there are a lot of mature subject matters on these records or records that gives you my age on these songs there are a lot of adult themes and a lot of things that are inappropriate and that you would not want 11 and 12 year olds thinking about not to mention singing about or internalizing but yeah if you look at my generation we have some very sophisticated romantic themes in our music as preteens. So, of course, you had your rap and you had your other stuff your party music but here I am in love with some teenage girl that I'm not able to get her attention and I'm listening to Maze. I don't know if that was good or bad to be listening to Maze at 11, 12, 13 years old, but I tell you that it was Maze, Sizzy Brothers, and I'm talking about deeply romantic music with a, you know, a sophisticated emotional appeals and declarations to the one you love and that was uh my growing up with frankie beverly and Mays. now if you hear some rustling in the background that's charlie charlie is uh my dog little fella's destroying a toy good better toy than a shoe but let's move forward with some headlines in headlines, there are a number of directions we could start with, but let's start with a little bit of hot stove because news sort of came down today that Martin Maldonado and the Astros are parting ways, not officially, but the writing is on the wall. And of course, if it takes to social media, that means it's true. As Martin Maldonado and several of his teammates 
posted goodbye and farewell messages to him because in addition to Yiner Diaz being the everyday catcher moving forward, which again, he was going to be the future of the franchise at that position and, and much more offensively productive than Maldonado. He, <laughs> the leadership Maldonado provided. And that, I don't understand why he's such a polarizing figure, but he is. Well, I do understand. He, he didn't hit well, but his value was so much more important than just his batting average. But they made the decision to move on and obviously struggling offensively, especially down the stretch and in that final in the playoffs. This was the time to make the move as the team added Victor Caratini, who I have to admit, I don't know anything about him, but that's who is a, the veteran addition. So they didn't even want him around. And I get it. If you have a young guy you want to go with, you don't need people calling for the backup because of nostalgia. Now, Maldonado spent six seasons with the Astros. He had split. I think he came in 18 and came back in 19 in a trade. Boy, just a beloved Astro. Just like Springer and Guriel and, at the time, Justin Verland. It's hard to say goodbye to these guys. You feel like, and, and maybe it's just me, but I, and I, I'm not, I know I'm not alone. It feels like the era is over. No Dusty Baker. And you got great things happening, and you got a great team coming back. But it just feels transitional, and that it's over. And it seems like Dana Brown wants to put his stamp on the team and We'll see if he is doing the right thing. He has also kind of, uh, well, he announced or uh, stated that uh, Jake Myers will be the everyday center fielder. That means that Chaz McCormick will play there sometimes, and he'll play other positions, including left field. And uh, that means that uh, Jordan Alvarez will be DHing more and more. Don't know what uh, Brantley's probably done here as well. Uh, we'll have to see what they decide to do. But the Yankees made a move with the acquisition of Juan Soto. And, of course, we'll talk more about that when we get maybe our baseball guy from the special teams unit, Michael Bourne, on. We'll, we'll have to reach out to him, see if we can talk some baseball. But that's a big deal. And the Yankees are doing what the Yankees do, trying to buy themselves a World Series title. Don't work like that. You got to build like the Astros build. And you make key acquisitions. You don't buy the whole team. But – Whatever. We'll see. It's worked in the past. We'll see if it works for this uh, iteration of the New York Yankees. I don't think so. But the big news, the controversial news, is college football in the Final Four. I said a couple of things. I think that I, what, what I did say is that if Alabama beat Georgia, I would take Texas over Alabama. And Florida State would have to be out. At one time, I thought, okay, you could lead the SEC out. It's not a big deal if you do. But then you got to have the SEC in. You just, it just, you just got to. And you can go. There are a lot of metrics that you can use to support the case for Alabama. You certainly can for Texas. But the ultimate one is 13-0 for Florida State. But they, you, y'all know. Come on now. They got screwed, but y'all know what it was. Next year it won't be an issue, but I think legitimately this year there are eight teams that can make a case that we should be in the tournament. Not not in the four, but we could win the national championship. Can you look at Oregon and say, okay, the only team they lost to was Washington twice. You don't think they feel like they can make a run at Texas, Alabama, Washington again if they got a third shot at it? Was that game – 
Washington dominated statistically, but at the very end, Oregon was in the mix to try to make some things happen. Couldn't get the onside kick. But, you know, they have a case. Ohio State lost to Michigan. They have a case. Georgia, a lot of people say, hey, man, we ran the table for three years, for the better part of three years. We should have an opportunity to defend our title. So in addition to Georgia, Florida State, you got Oregon and Ohio State that can make a case. So that make that next if this would have been next year, it would have been a great eight to start with, even though they're going with twelve. I think twelve is too many. But what do you think? Did they get it right? I mean, obviously a lot of people feel bad for Florida State, but ultimately, did they get it right? Are you going with the best teams? People say, Oh no, man, you can't punish them for having a backup quarterback. You know who punished them? TCU punished them by getting humiliated last year. So they're going to do everything in their power to make this happen. And what they're going to do is keep the SEC in the mix because nobody in the world cares about college football more than the SEC fan base. Nobody. The Pac-12, nobody even cares about the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 is no more. The Big Ten, they love Big Ten football. We just don't. The rest of the world just, I mean, to, and from my perspective, I didn't grow up just loving Woody Hayes and, and Bo Beckler. I mean, I liked Anthony Carter, and I liked a few guys that, you know, and I'm going way back on that, but I ain't grew up just longing to watch the Big Ten. I mean, I had an appreciation for the Big Ten, but down here it was Southwest Conference and Big Eight. You know what I mean? That's what it was down here. Pac-12 was pretty much a glamorous conference when you talk about the great running backs that came out of USC and the quarterbacks came out of UCLA. There was pageantry about the the Pac-10 back in the day. But they're no more. And the ACC, I mean, the ACC is a basketball conference. Let's, let's face it. Clemson is great. Florida State was great. I mean, Clemson is not great now, but they've been great recently. Florida State is getting back on the map after the Bobby Bowden era, and I know they've had success since then with Jameis Winston and winning the national championship and all of that stuff, but by and large, when you think of that great era, it was all under Bobby Bowden, that sort of sustained greatness year after year after year, even though for a lot of those years, Bobby Bowden couldn't punch it through to win the national championship. It took him a long time to do that. But, uh, you know, SEC people care about SEC. I mean, they make college football, and, and I mean that more than any other conference. So that's why you have Alabama in the mix. And I think Alabama could win it all. I mean, I think there's some great opening matchups. Alabama and Michigan, Michigan may be one and done. They, I, That'll be a good game. Obviously, Michigan wants to ground and pound and be physical. Let's see if they can be physical with them boys from Alabama. And, of course, Texas – and uh, Washington is going to be a shootout. That'll be a fun game to watch. Maybe a Heisman winner in that game. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Give me your thoughts on that. 832-941-6614. Going to take a time out, come back on the other side. We got a lot to get into, and we'll get into more, including Houston Texans and some NFL stuff on the other side. And, of course, we still have our conversation with Reggie Brown. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anyway, you get your podcast. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. 
So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages 6 weeks to 5 years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit BrighterBrainsLearningCenter.org. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. I was talking about Mays earlier, and just to sort of reinforce what I was talking about, one of my favorite songs by Mays is We Are One. And in the song, keep in mind, I'm... Again, a teenager, maybe preteen, he's talking about, I can't understand why we treat each other in this way. Things that we do, we hurt each other oh so bad. (laughs) But after all is said and done, we are one. This is what I'm thinking about at 11, 12 years old. Again, I mean, not only that, the OJs. I remember being in love with a, a, a young lady thinking about, used to be my girl. Now, who in the hell used to be my girl when I was seven years old? Used to be my girl. But Maze, yeah, you're giving me a reason to love again, to love one more time. A 12-year-old running around talking about, you are giving me a reason to love one more time. <laughs> so this is this is what I'm talking about. This is what what it is. So, uh, yeah, that, I want to talk about Maze, the Isley Brothers with that sensuality and teaching you musically how to make love to a woman. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot for kids. But, yeah, that's what we were listening to. Now, it's, I mean, obviously it was a, a, a wide array of music. It wasn't just that. But there was a lane for that that uh, was present. It was all around. And, of course, I soaked up a lot of that, that love music. And you'll hear more about this stuff with my new podcast that's coming up next, early next year. So we're looking forward to that. So be on the lookout for Life Tunes with Devin Wade. So that's coming up. I already have a couple of those in the can. That's going to be very, very interesting. So that stuff like that will be coming up. But in uh, the world of sports, obviously, Houston Texans, boy, a big win over Denver in a game that was really important to keep them relevant and in the mix and I will tell you what, that defense is coming to life. Now, there's some some concerns. But just the fact that we're thinking about this team potentially going to the playoffs is totally unexpected. Totally unexpected. You could talk to people in the building, and I guarantee you, if you gave them truth serum, would say that, yeah, we thought we'd be, we would be in playoff contention after, what, 12 weeks of play? And they are. And I will tell you this, man, Not the concerns are, not to kill your high, but the concerns are obviously Tank Dale, the most prolific, exciting receiver. You, I mean, although after that performance by Nico Brown on Sunday, he's just as exciting. But Tank Dale goes down, breaking his leg. He's done for the year. And also Titus Howard on that offensive line is done for the year. Dalton Schultz was out Sunday, had some hamstring issues, But the guy who's healthy and balled out and showed glimpses of why he was so highly regarded and highly drafted last year, Derek Stingley Jr. was that dude. I mean, he came up with a pretty easy tip interception for his first one. That second one, look, he was Cortland Sutton. I thought when the ball was thrown, 
I was sitting next to Ralph Cooper. I said, that's touchdown. While the ball was in the air. But out of nowhere, virtually out of nowhere, was Derrick Stingley Jr. diving in the air, two-hand grab, beautiful catch to steal that touchdown pass away and come up with a big interception. And uh, Russell Wilson on the day, three interceptions. The last one, I think you can attribute the scheme. If you want to talk a little bit about Denver, the issue with Denver was – Denver just hung around. They didn't look inspired. And down the stretch, it looked like they were very confident. The way they handled things down the stretch, it looked like they thought for sure that they were going to score and win the game. Just the pace they played with, the lack of urgency, just sort of the, the play selection. And even on that last play, Courtney Sutton, who had a tremendous touchdown catch earlier in that game. And, and I want to explain this catch because it was so beautiful. It gets sort of swept under the rug with all the great highlights that happen every week. But just seeing this and appreciating how beautiful this pass was from Russell Wilson. And I especially bring this up because they've been beating up Russell Wilson pretty bad these days. But he threw the ball 54 yards in the air from the right hash to the left pylon and he dropped it like he was dropping it in a, in a trash can. It was just it just right where it needed to be for Sutton to make a great catch for a touchdown. It was just beautiful. But then again, there's so many beautiful plays you see, including that Derek Stingley Jr. Uh, interception. And the Texans go to the Jets. They have the third easiest schedule. They're going to have to come up with some uh, division wins as well. Uh, they split with Jacksonville. They have some some key matchups coming up that are very winnable. It's a, I mean, they very well may be in the playoffs. They won't win the division. Jacksonville, I think, is the cream of the crop. And I think they will be in the mix. Although Trevor Lawrence being out, maybe out with a high ankle sprain, with an upset loss, to Cincinnati the other night. They are around, but you have to believe. I mean, on a talent level, man, that team can really, really play. Let's see what the status is for Trevor Lawrence with the high ankle sprain, and we'll have to see how things pan out in the division. Around the NFL, the best team in the NFL looks like the San Francisco 49ers. Now, I know it's sort of getting late in the game, and I know we are week-to-week kind of – thing i mean we overreact to everything in the nfl but that performance was something else and i have some comments about that game coming up but a huge matchup for the cowboys in philadelphia on sunday i think the philadelphia eagles got the short end of the stick on the scheduling thing because san francisco had had a bunch of time off dallas will have 10 days off i think the 49ers had 10 days off it's a funky little situation for them and the city of Philadelphia is not being very kind these days, and the media, maybe the fans as well, to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, who I think is a was until recently a MVP candidate and still in the mix for that. I think that they are just trying to they you know I, Philadelphia is just that kind of town, and they're giving him the blues. Maybe not him the blues, but they're complaining a little bit about or not appreciating him like they should. But I have more about that game coming up. So give me your thoughts on Sunday's Eagles-Cowboys matchup and the Texans at the Jets. Now, that'll be an interesting test for the Texans' offense versus that defense. I think, uh, obviously, that will be a defensive battle because I think the – I mean, obviously, the Jets with Zach Wilson starting, they are trash. 
I mean, offensively, and I don't think even Aaron Rodgers could have saved that debacle, even though they have some tremendous players, a tremendous player in Wilson, and then they have a decent running back in uh, uh, Bryce Hall, Brees Hall. So they have some players at the skill positions. Offense, The offensive line is just so, so bad. It should be a field day for the Texans' defense and maybe a couple more picks or another pick for Derrick Stanley Jr. We'll have to see, but the team is really exciting to watch, and we have a lot to talk about. The next uh, home game, it will be Cleveland here in Houston on Christmas Eve. We'll talk about the Dolphins and some AFC stuff a little bit later on with Reggie Brown, I'm sure. But let's take a brief time out, come back on the other side with a whole lot more. This is Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. down for us we certainly appreciate him but if you have music you want heard on the podcast you can email us music at wadeswordproductions.com that's music at wadeswordproductions.com the genre doesn't matter if you're a dj if you are a fledgling artist and you want to expose your music to the thousands of folks who come into contact with this podcast we certainly will make that happen and we'll play a snippet at the halfway point and an entire track at the end of the episode or an extended portion of a mix if you're a dj so we'll do that for you and uh, we welcome that we were supposed to have terry donald's latest single and we'll get that on we definitely will do that has some technical difficulties making that happen but we will have that on next episode we'll make that happen so you drop that uh, to us if you are a fledgling artist and you want your music heard music ways word productions Dot com. A lot of things uh, that I want to touch on real quick. A few things I want to touch on real quick. XFL, USFL, merger. No more roughnecks, but we keep the Houston Gamblers. Favorite of Houston cult heroes for the city of Houston from that past era. 
the gamblers, Jim Kelly and company. But they merged. That's happening. Also, did you catch uh, the deal between Ime Udoka and LeBron James? Udoka, of course, the head coach of the Houston Rockets. And we didn't talk about the play-in tournament. That's going on, I think, tonight, the semifinals. Picking up steam. Well, when that ESPN NBA machine gets to rolling, it starts to uh, turn heads and uh, gain eyeballs. And uh, some excitement is uh, revolving around that one. But I do want to talk about that incident in which uh, LeBron and uh, Udoka got into it, and Udoka got uh, ejected. He got ejected because basically he was saying he stopped bitching about the calls. You acting like little b words or whatever, and I'm paraphrasing. Although the transcript is out there, and LeBron was like, "Hey man, be careful what you saying. We got grown men out here. You that's reckless to talk like that. You know, we we men out here. You talking loose." And Udoka was like, "Hey man." <laughs> you are, you coming over here like you're about to do something. And you wonder, like, how did this happen? A coach and a player getting into it like that. And then you realize the age difference is not that great. And, in fact, they played against one in, one another, although uh, LeBron clearly got the better of Yudoka in those matchups. And maybe that is a, a part of uh, the problem. I don't know what it is. I will say this. I do have a double standard on a lot of foolishness. You know, I love the foolishness, and I love for people to have beef because it means you care. So if I'm going to invest my money, time, and energy, emotional energy, I want to know that you care. And one way to know somebody cares is if you got beef. So I'm here for all the foolishness most of the time within limits, within reason. I'm for the foolishness. But I have a bit of a double standard when it comes to coaches and quarterbacks. Those are the two you got to kind of be above the fray a little bit. And he wasn't. And although it's a salacious little clip, and it proves that Yudoka is about that life, and LeBron, you know, just stayed away from it, it does show you that clearly, uh, you know, he, he was he was out of line. He got ejected, rightfully so. We don't, we don't I mean, he, you know, he could have got teed up. I think that was his second technical. So that was the right thing to do. He has to stay above that a little bit. You are sort of uh, trying to keep your guys on track. I can see you getting ejected, you know, for arguing with the referees, but not nah, not on that. So that is uh, that's something. So uh, other things going on to play in. Of course, we talked about. Mm, a lot. Let's get into our conversation with our guy Reggie Brown from the special teams unit. Here he is. From the special teams unit, our guy Reg in the building. Hopefully, you had a great holiday. How are you? Man, an amazing holiday, man. Uh, great football, everything's going on this time of year. I love it, man. Ready to go. Yeah, it's been great. It's been a whole lot of fun, and we have some NFL talk. But the talk of the weekend, I think, was the college football playoffs. Now, most people have a take on who should have been the Final Four. What is your take on what team should have been the Final Four? First of all, are you happy with the selection, or would you have gone a different way? No, I, I think they got it right. I think they got it right. But I also think that it's a very, very tough situation. You got about six teams there that deserve air quotes to be there. But ultimately, you can only pick four. And for me, it came down to Alabama and Florida State. And I really think in a head-to-head matchup at this point in the year with what's going on with Florida State, Alabama would beat them. So 
That being said, I think Alabama deserves the chance to go. But there's no doubt about it that Florida State should feel like they got screwed because they did. It's just not their fault and not anybody else's fault. It's just the way it works. Well, you know, college football has, has done that before. They've they screwed over a bunch of teams. I mean, and we are from an era where they used to just arbitrarily pick the number one team and the final two teams, two or three teams, never got a chance to play. Hence, we had split national champions and all of that foolishness. Right, right. But, you know, I think what's unique about this year, and I think next year, obviously, they'll go to 12. 12, I think, is too many, but eight would be the good number, and eight would be the perfect number for this year because you can make a case. You can make a case for eight teams being able to compete seriously for a national championship. You got the four that are in. Then you have Georgia and Florida State. How about Ohio State and Oregon? Those teams, I mean, Oregon only lost twice to the same team. Would you not like them against Michigan or Alabama or Texas? I mean, wouldn't they give those teams a hard time as well, I I would imagine? Well, the issue is really not the number. Except that when it's the next number. So if we get eight, then it's going to be number nine. It feels like they got screwed. If you go to 12, then it's going to be number 13. It feels like they got the business. So, you know, you, you pick a number, four is it for this year. I do think that eight is a really, really good number. You really get the, you know, at least a viable playoff system. But I'm really just looking forward to this year having some really, really good games. I think there are four good teams, and we're going to get some good football. Yeah, and I think that unlike basketball, and especially now with basketball parity, I think football is a whole different animal. Usually there are about four teams, three, maybe three teams that have a legit chance. We saw that last year, obviously with TCU yeah. not being able to close the deal but and really embarrassing themselves. And I think that their, their blowout loss really has impacted, I think they yes. impacted Florida State, quite honestly. I think that for me, that's the thing that I thought about when – first got this this question asked to me was well what kind of game are we going to get and if Alabama is on his A game and Florida State playing with a third quarterback you just can't keep up man one of the other things and I I didn't plan on asking you this but it's, it's starting to come up they're starting to propose this tier system where the largest schools can separate from everybody else and and under that plan they will set aside $30,000 for at least half of their student athletes including female students they're really starting to try to wedge and break away from the rest of the NCAA it's going to get funky man because I think a lot of people are not happy with all of the NIL money going to the players and more importantly I think people really and on the highest levels, cannot stand and cannot control the transfer portal. I just think that that they cannot control the game, and they're having a fit about it. What are your What's your take on that? I mean, there's so many pros and cons to it. I mean, obviously, players getting play, paid to play and being able to do things for their family and set them up for years to come is obviously an important part of it, especially when you put your life and your limbs on the line every time you step in the football field. So that's a great thing, but then it also creates these imbalances and kids are not staying in school. And, you know, you look at Alabama State. We've probably had 10 kids leave 
for the portal. And a lot of them are leaving, wishing and hoping that they're going to, you know, somehow get some money from somewhere. And a lot of them end up not getting anything. And, you know, it's just there's no way you can control. You use the great word, what goes on with this. But it, it just is. And it's here. And I don't know how you fix it. They, they're really going to wrestle away some of that control. They are not going to let it keep going. Like, Look, the powers that be are going to remain the powers that be. It's just that who's going to be the ultimate victim. I think right now, I mean, if you're a kid, grab any and all money you can. Of course. Because they're going to try to find ways to close those windows. And I just don't know how it's going to play out. And I, I, I just have a bad feeling about how they're trying to wrestle control back. Now, I know that your top couple guys at Alabama State, left there's a lot of movement in our program without head coach yet and losing mm -hmm. a lot of plays which that's sort of natural let me ask you about the swag and then you've seen a couple of coaches after just two years removed from the job i'm talking about hugh jackson i'm talking about of course dooley eric dooley at southern what do you think about i mean obviously we had a coaching change not after two years but i will have a coaching change what do you think about the coaching changes in the conference well, it's, you know, unless you're in the know, these things, are, you know, you don't know what's going on. But those were two huge moves, for better or for worse, depending on which side you come down on this. I mean, Hugh Jackson, NFL guy, all of that. And then Dooley's been at Southern, had success wherever he's went. And then after two years, he's gone. So uh, the landscape of college football is changing and certainly the landscape in swag football is changing. I mean, people, you know, want to win and they want to win now. Part of it is to be able to go out and try to attract players and all of that and it's just a tough deal right now in college football with all of this that's going on. Yeah, and without knowing what what's going on, what, what happened with Hugh Jackson, I thought that yeah. was a premature move. Obviously, they had that opportunity to opt out. I think that he was going to be headed in the right direction, but I mean... And, you know, like you used the word earlier, control. I mean, you got a strong NFL personality like that. You wonder what does that do to the people around them? Because it sounds good to hire an NFL guy until people start saying we want to win and this is what we need, and you know, and all of a sudden things might go awry. So, <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, in, in those some of those situations, you're going to have people dedicated to the status quo. I would imagine, yeah. and so disruptors. <laughs> are not always welcome. I mean, we saw that with Prime. Disruptors are always... I mean, and again, that's just one aspect. Well, I don't want to get too deep in them weeds, <laughs> but disruptors, disruptors get gone. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's, uh, that's sort and that's of... That's a problem, and that's a problem. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the NFL. Obviously, the Texans' huge win in a game that I think really keeps them in the playoff hunt with a win over Denver. I thought whoever won that game, which was, I thought, uh, going to be a toss-up, and it, it ended up being just that. But what do you think about the Texans and uh, their big victory on Sunday? I mean, D'Amico is so impressive, man. The way he's got that team playing, man, the way he's got them believing. Um, you obviously knew that they would get a strong defense. It took them a few weeks to figure out and get the pieces in the right places. But now got that defense playing at a top 12, top 10, top 12 type of level. And then you get the rookie quarterback who just – you know, got ice water in his veins, you know, and just keep coming at you and keep coming at you. And 
all of the rookie mistakes that you expect him to make. He's not making them. He's not turning over the football. You know, you keep waiting on that rookie wall. He's not running into it. And um, they've just been pulling the um, right strings over there. And, man, you know, that's a hell of a hire that the Texans did. And I think it set them up for years to come. Well, yeah, and I think offensively, they, you know, they have the right uh, leadership on the offensive side. Def- defensively, you're starting to see that some of the talent was there, and you're cultivating that talent. Uh, Derek yeah. Stanley Jr., is, if he can stay healthy, man, we saw glimpses of what he could be with his two interceptions, and the, the second one was just fantastic. I mean, he baited Russell Wilson, and he dove midair and stole that ball away from Quitlin Sutton. That, it would have been a touchdown. It would have been a touchdown. But he went and got that one, and boy, that was an impressive uh, performance by that young man. He's a phenomenal talent, like you said, and really the issue just becomes, is he going to stay healthy? And then, obviously, Bobby, the the offensive coordinator, you know, being over there in San Francisco and know how they do things and, you know, and what they do, and that – San Francisco culture travels, man. And the people who are, who've been over there, they come out of there, uh, you know, at least early having some success like Meg McDaniels and then um, D'Amico now. Yeah, and, and I tell you what, I mean, you, you talk a little bit about this playoff run. Texans have the third easiest remaining schedule. They go to New York to play the Jets this weekend. So they have a couple of tough division games. But other than that, man, they have a pretty, pretty easy road uh, to try to push for the playoffs. And who would have imagined that this team would be legitimately talking about the playoffs? I mean, I, I have to be honest. I thought that they should sit CJ down behind what's the boy uh, Davis, Mills, Davis Mills Davis yeah David Mills sit him behind him and you know learn and get used to the speed of the game etc cetera, etc cetera. and he is just exploded onto the scene and you know I gotta say I was wrong but I that young man I mean I thought he would be a good NFL coach I just didn't think he'd be one this quick I mean he's quiet as it kept he's a low-key MVP you know oh you talking about Stroud yeah Stroud yeah for Uh sure so yeah so it's been amazing to watch them and one thing we know this city will get behind the football team. Yeah, it's starting to happen. We're starting to get more calls on KTSU Sports Talk. People are starting to ask me more about it. And, and yeah. I have to tell you, man, over the last three weeks they've been at home, these have been very entertaining games. Obviously, they come down to the wire and, and to the very end. That helps it. But, I mean, just uh, just an exciting time because you had no expectations coming into the season. So that's what makes it like found money. This is a surprise. And and this is the best time to be a fan when your team supersedes your expectations. And so often it teams never do. We hype these teams up. We have such high expectations that they have to fall short unless they win the Super Bowl. So, I mean, I think that's uh, always well, interesting. The reality of it is if the Texans don't win another game, this year has been a success. Yeah, it just is, is what it is. 
Yeah, and they do have some challenges because uh, Titus Howard is out for the year. Tank Dell, man, what a terrible injury. Broken fibula, he is done for the year. Dalton Schultz didn't play on Sunday, but they did get some production from the tight end position. So, I mean, you know, it'll be challenging. We'll have to see what happens, but so far so good. The AFC is wide open, and one of the teams, I mean, obviously – a lot of excitement around the Dolphins. And then you put up a performance like that against the Commanders. But what does that really mean? I mean, not not to diminish the team, but what is that? That win really doesn't do much for you other than give you highlight film material. Well, I think that it sets you up for playoff seating. And also, you know, you, you, you got to win um, the games you play. And so the more you win, I don't care who you play, the more confidence you get, the more you continue to grow the offense, grow the scheme. I mean, you look at that defense. This is the first year under Fangio, and so the defense is just continuing to get better week in and week out. The offense is making these adjustments. I mean, there's so much you can learn about a team, you know, no matter who they play. And, I mean, you've seen this all year. The Bills lost to the Jets without Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Kansas City lost to Denver, who the Texans just beat. So and the Dolphins put 70 on Denver. So when people start saying, you know, those types of things, this year has proven that on any given Sunday, you can lose a football game. And so the one thing about the Dolphins is we consistently beat the teams we're supposed to beat. And so now coming up shortly in, the, in mid-December, we're going to get a chance to play some teams that's better than, uh, you know, that records are equal to ours, and we'll see where we're at. But I don't buy, well, there's not a lot to gain. You keep beating them, and you keep beating them, and you keep beating them. And, and again, that AFC is wide open. You look at a team that I think the, is the most untalked about team that's currently the number one seed. I'm talking about Baltimore. We don't talk enough about Baltimore. I think it's because of their past failures in the playoffs that we don't talk about them. But let's talk a little bit about it because Kansas City, although I think they were robbed at the end of that game with that pass interference not being called. You call that pass interference call, they have first and goal from the six-yard line. Come on, man. You have to believe that they get a a touchdown there, although it's not promised. Uh, But they go on the road and lose a tough game in Green Bay. So, I mean, they're still chinks in the armor for Kansas City. They're not a prohibitive favorite to go back to the Super Bowl, although everybody still loves Pat Mahomes. Then you got Baltimore. Then you have Miami, Jacksonville, uh, and now Trevor Lawrence will be out, maybe. Now they're saying they don't know if he's going to be out. Look, if it's a high angle sprain, I would anticipate he'll be out at least a week. Two weeks, two. yeah, a week or two. Yeah. yeah. So what do you see when you look at the AFC? Because it's, it's, it's fun on one end, but it's also you don't have that dominant team. Well, you know, the, the, the issue is playoff football, which totally changes the dynamics, right, of what goes on, which is why if you were just taking it on face value, the Dolphins, my team, looked like they should be the prohibited favorite. I mean, you got a number seven defense. You got a number one or number two offense, depending on which metric you look at. So you would say they should be the prohibited favorite, but you have no playoff experience to speak of. And so when you don't have that, 
you know, it's going to be a toss-up. Like you said, you got Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. You know, that guy can beat you. He can get hot, and you could just ride him. But I do agree with you that Baltimore is the most scary. You get that defense playing the way that it plays, and then you get Lamar Jackson on a run, on a run running the ball and making plays. Odell maybe steps up. Zay Flowers steps up, and all of a sudden – you got yourself something. They are scary to me playing in Baltimore. I'll really be looking forward to that game against uh, Miami with them. Well, I can tell you this. The team that I that you may have to be the most afraid of that nobody talks about that had a huge upset win is Jacksonville. Jacksonville can run the rock. If they if Trevor Lawrence is healthy, he is – I mean, before he got hurt, he was spectacular the other night against Cincinnati. I think, I think you know, the quarterback injuries have impacted the AFC, and I think that's going to be very impactful down the stretch. I mean, you have Gardner Minshew leading the Colts. You have uh, backups in Cincinnati. And in Pittsburgh this week, as uh, Trubisky, Mitchell Trubisky, will be starting for them for hurt uh, pickings. So, I mean, it's just – it's a – Crazy, crazy year. You have Will Levis. Let me, and let me just knock, knock on an oak tree, man. I mean, uh, <laughs> just a mahogany. Just don't, I need my quarterback to be there, man. <laughs> but you make a point, man. This is a quarterback-driven league. And chances are the team, obviously the team that goes in healthy is going to be do really, really good in the playoffs. But a team that you play a team with the – Backup quarterback, man, and you're almost assured of winning that game, man, because, you know, there's such a drop-off um, when you go to the backup quarterbacks and all of that thing. So, Except a couple know, of these guys jumped up and, and played well. I mean, the kid in Cincinnati got it done the other night. <laughs> Although they, well, they caught a crazy offensive game uh, with yeah. the receiver interception and all of that stuff. Well, again, you know, that's why I say any given Sunday, right? <laughs> you can get hot. And I mean, look at Brock Purdy. I mean, look what he's doing. So yeah, you can you can you can get hot, but that quarterback got to be healthy, man. It, it's just a must in the NFL. So let's talk about the NFC briefly before we get out of here, because I want to ask you about a team to me that mirrors the Miami Dolphins. And I'm talking about the Dallas Cowboys. And what I mean by that is when they play opponents that they're supposed to beat, they, for the most part, look spectacular. They, I thought they, obviously, they struggled by giving up a whole bunch of points to Seattle uh, the other night. But I will tell you, man, and the schedule's laid out for them. They got Philadelphia this weekend. That'll be an interesting matchup. But let's talk a little bit about – and the reason why I draw a parallel, and you can – Tell me if you agree or disagree. I don't think Miami has the playoff baggage that the Cowboys do because of all of the losses in the playoffs. But aside from that, these are teams that beat teams that's supposed to but have had trouble with teams that they have to compete or maybe be slight underdogs to. Uh, But what do you think of the Cowboys? Obviously, a huge game this weekend. Well, first of all, come Christmas Eve, We'll find out. One of them going to have to be the good team because the Dolphins played them down in Miami, and I'll be at that game. So I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait for that game. But then I I agree with you. You know, they have everything they need to be successful. Solid, solid defense, playmakers on offense, a quarterback who has proven that um, when he's on can take you the distance. But it's the consistency. 
And I think that's the same thing with the Dolphins. Uh, you know, are you going to be consistent um, on the playoff run? And certainly with Dallas, it's the same thing. I mean, Michael Parkins, Parsons can just take over a game uh, by himself. And so they got everything they need to be successful. Yeah, so who uh, – well, I mean, what do you think? Obviously, Philadelphia got blew out of the water, and you're starting to hear the sort of stuff that you expect from Philadelphia, some of the, the media trying to give Hurts a yeah. little bit of a hard time, some of the criticism yeah. that it, – it's so frustrating to think about. I mean, they do this to a lot of people, but a Hurts is a guy, again, not above uh, or beyond reproach, but at the same time, this dude – has gotten it done. He's found money for Philadelphia because the expectations were nearly this high to get this kind of performance uh, out of him that you did in the Super Bowl so far this season. He looks a little banged up, but what do you make of the Philadelphia Eagles after that loss to San Francisco? I just look at it as they had an off game. Like you said, the, the dude has just consistently got it done. They try to talk about him throwing the ball, but he's number 10 in yards or whatever. He's number, I think, 11 in touchdowns. I mean, he, he runs the ball. He commands that offense, and he just wins. But until you, you know, win the big one and the, the same, again, I keep going back to the Dolphins. These, there's so many parallels with this. The NFL, they want the quarterback. They're looking for the game where the game is put on the quarterback's back and he leads the team to victory. And with Philadelphia, they do it a different way. You know what I mean? They're a smash mouth, grinded out football team who, you know, keeps it stupid, simple. You don't see them do I don't even think they use motion in their offense. They just go about their business methodically and, it don't look pretty, and I think that's the problem why the media is so tough on them. And, and I don't think that coming out of this performance, it, it's not about Hurts. It's about giving up 42 points to that 49ers uh, offense. I mean, I don't think this was an off day. I think they got dominated. Can you – I mean, obviously Shaq Leonard gets signed by the Eagles. They're trying to find something because they're going to need more than what they have, it looks like, to beat San Francisco to I go mean, to the they, Super Bowl. I would have – Agree with that if you only base it on this game, right? But Philadelphia has been consistent over the whole year. That I just think that you don't bring your A game with you. And well, but, but see, they dominated in the first quarter of that game. It looked like it was going to be a blowout the other way. You know what I mean? Well, you know how that momentum is. <laughs> <laughs> you know how that is. I mean, I, I, I tend to dismiss games like that as one-offs because you take a look at San Francisco. I mean, they, what did they lose, three in a row this year? Yeah, but sure. also at, during that time, Debo Samuel was out and Trent Williams were out for those three games. So that was huge. And, and you know, when you lose Trent Williams, who probably is the best in the game on the offensive line, period. Well, I, I think that th they played some other games where – they possibly could have lost. I just think that, you know, it, it's these in-season games, things happen. But in the playoff, as you know, there's all of these other factors. There's do you get the call. There's did the ball bounce crazy. There's a, who's going to be healthy going into it. There's all of these different things that just matter. You know, make no mistake about it, though, none whatsoever that, uh, the 49ers are for real. There's no doubt about that. And I say 
that it's going to be a repeat of the 1985 Super Bowl, the Dolphins and the 49ers. Yeah, that was that was 84. It was the 85 84. Bears. Yeah, because yeah, that was yeah. 85 Bears. Well, like yeah. I said, I think that, yeah, I think the best team in football after this weekend certainly is the uh, San Francisco 49ers. I think it'll be interesting. If Dallas can beat Philadelphia, boy, you will not hear the end of it from the Cowboy fans, but I think it does – Give them an opportunity to compete. Obviously, they'll be right there for the the uh, division lead. They could win that division with a win Sunday. I mean, they could be working towards that. So, uh, with a lot let of football. Let me ask you this question. It's kind of this narrative going around, and I know you, you'll be unbiased. What do you think of Justin Herbert? I think Justin Herbert is on a team that is not – doing well i think that defensively they've had most of their struggles defensively i mean i've seen him put up huge numbers and then they not be able to close the deal and if you look at some of the a lot of the criticism and the coaches is really active on the defensive side of the head coach is really active on the defensive side of the ball he's catching hell and that defense is catching hell i think they are in for a a coaching change and, but I think that, I still think that he's the real deal. Obviously, they don't have the coaching staff, and and even still now, uh, offensively they're not as healthy. They miss missing Mike Williams. Uh, they've had uh, the Palmer's the other receiver that was out. They ever I think he's missed a game or two on the, the from the tight end position. So they have had some injuries on offense from those receivers, and still have been prolific. Didn't uh, Austin Eckler miss a game or two? So like like there's still a a really good offense. I think he's the truth. Obviously, I think that they have other issues, especially on the defensive side of the football, and that's gonna be the death nail for that that coach. And they'll have a coaching change, I think, at the end of the year. I just think that we have gotten enamored with just throwing the ball around and not winning. And I think that they have had a solid football team since he's been in the league. And his record is just mediocre. And when people say winning is not a quarterback statistics, I totally disagree with that. But, yeah, man, enjoy being on the show. I know you got a lot going on, man. How's things going over at the radio? I mean, we're doing work, man. And, obviously, we got some fun stuff coming up with the national championship game coming to town. And, of course, a lot to talk about with the Rockets and and all of that good stuff. And the Texans are keeping things exciting. Of course, you're going to always have uh, your, your Cowboy fans out there roaming around. So that's a, that's going to be a big deal as well. <laughs> Very good. So Very we'll, good. we'll visit with you real soon. We certainly appreciate the time. Hey, man, you know – it's three phases of the game, offense, defense, and most importantly, special teams. No doubt. <laughs> to have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. I want to thank Reg, as always. And if you have some feedback on what he had to say, you can certainly let us know. He would love to hear from you. So would I, 832-941-6614. You can also go to the website, wadeswordproductions.com. Listen to past episodes and all of that good stuff. Well, we're not getting out of here yet because we have to give one last bit of recognition. It's called the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. 
The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Well, let's go back to Philadelphia and Sunday's huge NFC matchup between the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers. Boy, that was a lot of huge hits out there. It got chippy. They were pushing and shoving and beefing and barking because there were a lot of dogs on the field. There were some big dogs. There were some little dogs. There were some meek dogs and some mean dogs. There were a lot of ball players out there on the field. And on the sideline, we even had a security dog and if you don't know who i'm talking about i'm talking about big dom DeSandro. big dom is what they call him he's the head of security for the philadelphia eagles and i was gleefully ignorant of his existence until sunday's broadcast where the broadcast team mentioned him in reference to he referred them to a restaurant and and they said a couple other things i didn't really pay attention but i heard big dom's name coming up and then when Drake. Greenlaw tackled Devontae Smith on the sideline. Very violent hit. I thought no flag, but it was on the Eagles sideline. And so that meant a lot of chirping was going on and a little bit of pushing and shoving. And one of the pushes was Big Dumb. Big Dumb. No, the same Big Dumb that's the head of security. Head of security that should not be interacting with players. He should be protecting the players and the team and the organization from the fans. And if things just go awry, you're supposed to protect the players from going into the stands. Stuff like that. That's the gig. Your gig is not to interact with players on the opposing team. And that's exactly what he did. He put his hands on Greenlaw. Greenlaw took a swipe at him, sort of brushed his nose, didn't really connect, didn't follow up. Through the jab, he didn't come with the overhand to follow that jab out there. In any case, Greenlaw was ejected, and Big Dom was ejected as well. Now, it just felt like they were trying to make Big Dom some kind of folk hero, and maybe he is in Philadelphia. They like that kind of stuff, fictional heroes, because clearly Rocky was that. There's some great folks that come out of Philadelphia. I'm talking about, you know, Joe Frazier. It's my dude, one of my favorite fighters. But there are a lot of great fighters and, and great heroic figures that come out of Philadelphia. Rocky and Big Dom, they're kind of created. They're creations. So maybe he's loved in the city. Maybe he's loved by the organization and good for him. But because of his actions, all 32 NFL teams got a memo from the league office warning against staff and support staff interacting with players on opposing teams. And because the NFL had to intervene on behalf of Big Dom and Big Dom's foolish behavior, when you're really not supposed to be an instigator, but a peacemaker, but because the NFL had to send out a memo because of your foolish BS, Big Dom, you are a Big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> big dumb, why are you talking to other players, man? And you lucky you didn't get that real smoke. See, you're a security dog. You were dealing with a real dog in Greenlaw. You don't want that. You don't want that in your life. And we don't want to see that. That's not what we want to see because we know... Greenlaw would have been vilified. He would have got the losing end of that stick and a bunch of think pieces on his behavior. He would have had to go to Constant for, for whooping you, even though you put hands on him first. I mean, come on. Why don't you just get one of those hovercrafts or whatever Paul Blart 
mall cop had. Why don't you why don't you get you one of those? Because what you shouldn't be doing is interacting with the 49ers. They say he's a good guy, and maybe he is a good guy. And they both apologize to one another. So uh, all is good in the world of the NFL. And he learned his lesson, I'm sure. But, yeah, you still earn that big dummy award for this episode. About to get out of here. But before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, I want to thank Reggie Brown. want to thank Kobank Holmes. And want to thank Brighter Brains. Want to thank DJ Anarchy. Want to thank all of you for participating. Want to remind you, give us a call on the sports line 24 hours a day. Also, go to Facebook and the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group and like the fan page. We post there all the time. Answer some poll questions. Post some poll questions. Interact. Brag on your favorite team. Talk noise. Whatever you want to do. Sports Talk with Devin Wade page. If you want to hit me on social media, on threads, and on Instagram, at the Devin Wade. Wade and on X or Twitter at Wade's Word. And if you can't remember any of it, please remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. <laughs> this has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.